Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is March 29th, 2022, and our first story, Fear of Nuclear War after an investigative reporter says that Vladimir Putin and his top officials have likely fled to nuclear bunkers, as it's being reported that Russian troops are pulling back from Kiev, which to many people suggests Putin is preparing to drop a bomb. It could be speculation. In fact, much of it is. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But let's take a look at these stories. In the next story, Tucker Carlson calls for invoking the 25th Amendment because Joe Biden issued several serious gaffes saying Ukraine would see American troops on its territory, that the U.S. would use chemical weapons. And then he doubled down on calls for regime change in Russia. In our last story, CNN Plus, the new subscription service seems not to be doing too well. It's day one, and they're already offering 50% off for life, and they're getting roasted for it. Now, if you like the show, give us a good review. Leave us five stars. Tell your friends about the show. Now, let's get into that first story. Of course, all of the tabloids have picked up this story that Vladimir Putin is reportedly living in top secret nuclear bunkers. Depending on which website you go to, they will tell you he's either fled, he's reportedly there, he's retreated, or some believe Vladimir Putin is in a nuclear bunker. This story is getting a lot of play because, well, a lot of people are concerned about nuclear war. If this is true, and the initial reporting comes from evidence from Bellingcat, which is no fly-by-night reporting agency. I mean, these are, these are some legitimate security uh, reporters and foreign policy, international conflict. Because it came from Bellingcat, people are saying, okay, you know, maybe this is legit. You take this and combine it with other news we got today that Russia is pulling troops back from Kiev and I believe some other cities. Now, immediately people saw that and they say, hey, maybe things are calming down. Maybe Vladimir Putin is retreating. I've actually seen many people say that pulling these troops out of the surrounding area is a soft way of saying they're losing. I'm not entirely convinced. There are some legitimate concerns that Putin feels they are facing an existential threat with the expansion of the West and that Russia may be next. Not only that, but Joe Biden doubled down on saying Vladimir Putin should not be in charge of Russia. The question then becomes, will Russia actually use nukes or are we just seeing Putin running away because he's losing, pulling troops out because he's losing? Maybe. But over in Russia, 
spokesperson for the Kremlin said they would not use nukes unless they faced an existential threat. So let's play up either angle. Either Vladimir Putin is losing and in full retreat, which could be an existential threat by which they would use nukes, or Vladimir Putin has retreated to a bunker for undisclosed reasons and is pulling his troops out because he's about to nuke Kiev. I don't know what's going to happen. This could just be clickbait tabloid nonsense. But I have to stress, as much as this is coming from many different tabloids saying, look, here's one, humiliated Putin and Kremlin high command flee to Russian nuclear bunkers. The initial reporting is coming from Bellingcat. They're looking, they're they're tracking flights and they can see flights used for high ranking uh, officials have fled to an area where they know there are bunkers. Not to mention that Shoigu, Sergei Shoigu, who is uh, uh, one of the nuclear command in, in Russia, is also believed to be in that bunker, and he's been missing for several weeks. Call it what you want. Now, we have Newsweek coming out saying Vladimir Putin or Russia has ruled out using nukes. I don't think that's a fair assessment. He hasn't ruled it out. They've simply said, this is from the Kremlin spokesperson, they would need an existential threat. But the question is, with Vladimir Putin and his nuclear command in charge, who does the threat needs to be, need to be towards? Russia as a whole or just Vladimir Putin? If it is just Vladimir Putin, then I need only point out that Lindsey Graham has called for his assassination and that Joe Biden has doubled down saying the dude should not be in charge. Certainly, Vladimir Putin is feeling an existential threat against himself at the very least. Is he the kind of guy who thinks he is Russia or is he some great noble leader leading the Russian people to a new Russian renaissance? I don't think it matters, to be completely honest. If Russia just feels this way, if Putin feels this way, then it stands to reason, based on this logic, nuclear weapons are possible. I firmly believe that if Putin were to drop, say, 100 kiloton bomb on Kiev, he'd he'd decisively end the war, winning it. You would see mass desertion across Kiev. Russia would walk through uh, uh, unchallenged, and the West would not retaliate. I really do believe that. And it's not just my opinion. I've talked to some other people. And the issue is Ukraine is not NATO. They, they want to be. They want to be EU. But would NATO go to war with Russia over Ukraine? It doesn't look like they will. And that's the fear. Now, a hundred kiloton bomb. OK, maybe that's a stretch. We have no reason to believe nuclear war will happen because it hasn't. I mean, the U.S. has dropped a couple gravity bombs in World War II, and that was it. So maybe. And let me just stress Everybody needs to chill out on this one. But far be it from me to play any kind of game where I can speculate. I know some people will be like, oh, you're fear mongering, Tim. It'll never happen. By all means, entertain that opinion. I'm not saying it will. But the tabloids are all running with this story. So let's at least address that and say maybe a little bit over the top. However, I am uh, hard pressed to say I know what will happen in this war. Because when I saw the reports that they were pulling troops out of Kiev, I was like, man, I feared escalation. I should not be making predictions about where this goes. I'll certainly tell you where I think it may go. But truth be told, there are so many uh, variables in this conflict. And I don't have access to top secret or confidential information, so I really don't know. Take it for what it is. Let's read the story about what's happening with Vladimir Putin potentially, reportedly having fled to these nuclear bunkers. And I'll talk about the potential fears for why there could be nuclear war and Kim.com back with a statement. You guys probably know who he is saying 
that uh, Democrats are going to lose bigly on less nukes. Let's take a look at what he means and what that could could mean for us. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL podcast, our behind-the-scenes show, The Green Room, with our guests hanging out off the cuff, as well as many of our other shows, and you'll be keeping our journalists employed. You'll be helping us to combat the corporate press. We don't get propped up by CNN. We don't get propped up by, by YouTube. Or CNN. We don't get propped up by YouTube like CNN. We rely on you guys, all of you watching, to either share these videos to definitely smash that like button or become a member to help us continue to expand if you like our work. Now, let's read this first story. We'll start with this tabloid take. I think it's important so you can understand the context of how it's being framed. And then I'll show you a bit of what people are actually saying. You know, what, what the, well, truth be told, it's not like the reporting's wrong, but here's the mirror humiliated Putin and Kremlin high command flee to Russian nuclear bunkers. They say movements of planes used by top Kremlin officials show that Putin could be spending some of some or all of his time in the hideaway near Surgut in Western Siberia. It is claimed. You see what they did there? The headline is definitive. Humiliated, punk, uh, humiliated Putin and Kremlin flee. That, that's a that's a fact statement. But then they go on to say that he could be there. It is claimed. Claimed by who? All right. His defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, is believed to be in a bunker near Ufa in the Urals, 725 miles east of Moscow, said investigative journalist Christo Grozev. Shoigu has been mysteriously absent for several weeks, sparking rumors about his health. The theory of his whereabouts is backed by his daughter, Xenia uh, Shoigu, 31, who was pictured in Ufa for perhaps three days from March 22nd. Ms. Shoigu visited the Russian city as speculation was rife that the defense minister had suffered heart problems, perhaps. Now, it is true that Shoigu has been missing, as well as Gerasimov, another member of the nuclear command. There are three, which led people to be quite concerned that nuclear war war could be on the horizon. In an article from WeAreTheMighty.com back on July 21st, 2020, they mention Vladimir Putin can't initiate a nuclear strike by himself. He would actually need codes from uh, uh, once the minister of defense receives an order. Okay, let let, let me go back. They said the president codes must be sent to Sergei Shoigu, the defense minister, and then the president's codes uh, uh, are sent with his to the general staff, Valery Gerasimov. Uh, so these three people, those two individuals are missing. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. Putin and his high command are already hunkering in secret bunkers after Kremlin spokesman said Russia would use nukes in the face of existential threat. I, I love breaking down the media for all of you guys. I really do. The Daily Mail has taken what the Kremlin uh, spokesperson said as, as a threat that they would use nukes. Newsweek publishes this. Russia finally rules out using nuclear weapons over Ukraine war. Do you see how the game is played? Newsweek is saying over Ukraine war, but the Kremlin spokesperson did say they would use nukes over existential threat. Whether or not Putin feels he's facing an existential threat is an opinion. The reality is they will use nukes. Newsweek has gone the other direction. Daily Mail says, new evidence has emerged Vladimir Putin and his highest ranking commanders are running, running the war in Ukraine from top secret bunkers. They say the theory is backed up by Xenia Shoigu, so we did talk about that. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? 
They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. The suspected use of high-security nuclear bunkers is concerning as it leads to suggestions Putin may be prepared to deploy nuclear weapons, a move that would lead to inevitable reprisals. So we can see here Ufa and Sergut. This is, this is fascinating. If it's true that they've made this move, that means two of the members of, nucle- of Russia's nuclear command have split themselves up so they can't be taken out in a single strike. Grosev, who has links to British investigative outlet Bellingcat, said, I am absolutely sure that Shoigu is in a bunker. Tracking the movement of his plane, we see very frequent flights to Ufa. Okay, so I I, want to make sure I'm getting everything right here. Grozev, this is, uh, uh, I believe this is Christo Grozev. Did I I get that wrong? They don't, uh, uh, did they say, Christo Grozev, okay. I don't know if he is Bellingcat, a Bellingcat reporter. They say he's he's, uh, links to British investigative uh, outlet Bellingcat. Others have said outright, Bellingcat investigator says Russia's defense minister Shoigu and other senior officials, possibly Putin, are residing in nuclear bunkers near Ufa in the Ural Mountains, according to recent flight data. They're going to say, knowing that there are also protected bunkers in the region, this gives an obvious answer about his place of residence. In an interview with Ukraine 24 channel, he told TV anchor Yevgeny Kiselyev, this is our very justified version. I believe in it and I consider it to be a purely analytical conclusion. There can't be any other conclusion. If the Kremlin's war strategy assumes a nuclear strike, and it does, as Dmitry Peskov, Putin's spokesman himself said on CNN a couple days ago, then there cannot be any other version. If there is a decision of a potential nuclear strike, they can't hide the military leadership afterwards. They have to be hidden beforehand. I am absolutely certain he is in a so-called bunker. And by trailing the plane he usually flies, we see very frequent almost daily flights to Ufa. Knowing this region has those protected bunkers, this leads us to the obvious conclusion. Again, analysis from one investigative reporter. Most likely he is elsewhere because we are seeing other flights and they are more classified than the flight that goes to Ufa. These are state planes and they switch off their transponders somewhere around Surgut. This is Russia's oil capital and is some 1,800 miles northeast of Moscow. It looks like the final phase is quite secretive. And most likely there is a more elite bunker there with the elite of the government. Previously, there have been claims Putin had moved his close relatives to a bunker in the Altai Mountains, some 1,100 miles southeast of Surgut and 2,360 miles east of Moscow. Grosev also suggested that Russia's chief of general staff of the armed forces, Valery Garisimov, is operating from a bunker. These are the three members of Russia's nuclear command. This is freaking me out. But again, I don't. What do you do? I come out and say, guys, it looks like nuclear war. I mean, people are going to say, get out of here. That's crazy. And then when nothing happens, they're going to be like, y'all panicked for nothing. 
It's hard to say. You decide for yourselves, man. It's one analyst saying this is the only logical conclusion. Well, far be it from me to claim the the investigative reporter is wrong. I mean, they're the experts. But one guy, you know, tough questions. Do I want to be caught in a nuclear blast? No. Depending on what kind of weapon they use, I certainly think DC is the safest place to be. There's probably so many surface-to-air missiles and massive uh, laser systems that you ain't going to get a nuclear war anywhere near Washington, D.C., let alone whether or not they'd actually fire one. They say previously there had been claims that Putin moved his relatives to a bunker. Now, that one's significant because if he's moving his relatives to a bunker, jeez, man, what's he getting ready for? We've also seen similar movements in the U.S., mind you, so uh, particularly freaked out. Grosev also suggested that Russia's chief of the general staff of the armed forces is operating from a bunker. Coincidentally, the defense minister's daughter, Senia Shoigu, seems to have been an UFA between March 22nd and 25th. Check out these photos of these, these, these bunkers. There's no way that's the bunker Putin's in. Yo, he's probably had them. He's been, he's been president and prime minister back and forth, whatever. He's been in charge of Russia for decades. Yo, he's got deep underground palaces. Don't even play. They say... The Alte Skoye <clears throat> Podvori Resort, built by Gazprom in the Altai Mountains, the resort allegedly contains one of Putin's personal dachas. Fascinating. It was previously alleged he moved his family to a bunker. Today, we are in Ufa on working visit. This is a Senia posted on Telegram. Local newspapers reported that the financier was visiting at the personal invitation of the head of the region. She is president of the Russian Triathlon Federation. She visited the Patriot Military Park under construction near Ufa. One theory is that Putin took time out in the pandemic in November or December when, when uh, he visited Sarov and later Tobolsk, which is several hundred miles from Surgut, to inspect emergency bunkers all before a major war breaks out. And then you see this. Russia says it will scale back near Kiev as talks progress. You know, when I first saw this story, as I mentioned, I thought things were calming down. And I was like, this is cool. You know, maybe maybe Putin is saying, I got what I wanted. Maybe what he pulled off was a big ask. Putin wanted the eastern Donbass region in Crimea. So he stages an, stages an invasion through Belarus into the north of Ukraine, hits Ukraine from all these different places. While everything's in chaos, he solidifies control over the Donbass region. We don't know for sure, though. Some are saying it's a retreat. But I asked on Twitter, why would Vladimir Putin pull his troops out of Kiev if he's retreating to a bunker? Could it be that uh, he's lost, that he expects to lose in Ukraine and then face retaliation with some kind of invasion or strike in Russia? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why would he go to a bunker if he's if the war is over? They're not going to invade Russia. NATO's not going to invade Russia. What if he went to a bunker and then pulled his troops out of Kiev because he doesn't want to blow up his own troops in a nuclear blast? Wow, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Newsweek says Russia finally rules out using nuclear weapons, but that's not what they said. Peskov told PBS no one is thinking about using a nuclear weapon, and the Ukrainian conflict has nothing to do with any threat to Russia's existence. Yes, but the conflict with NATO does. The comments come a week after on CNN, he repeatedly refused to rule out that Russia would consider nuclear force against an existential threat. He still didn't. He doubled down on saying if there is an existential threat, we can and we can use and we will actually use nuclear weapons to eliminate the threat or the existence to eliminate the threat of the existence or, or the existence of our country. I think he made a mistake. I mean, existence of the state 
and special military operation in Ukraine. They have nothing to do with each other. If, uh, if Vladimir Putin, if, if they're saying he won't use nukes over Ukraine, only an existential threat, then it's interesting. Maybe what they're really saying is that Putin is not going to be nuking Ukraine. But the question is, are they playing word games? If they say the military operation in Ukraine is not a threat to us, NATO's expansion is, and we're going to hit Ukraine to stop the threat to our existence from NATO. I don't know, man. Maybe nothing happens, okay? Maybe there's no threat. Or maybe Biden sparked a global uproar with nine ad-libbed words about Putin, declaring the Russian leader cannot remain in power. I wonder if that's going to be considered a threat by Vladimir Putin. The Economist asks, would Russia really launch nuclear weapons? It is extremely unlikely, but the country's military doctrine says it could. That's the important point. The real answers to those questions lie, of course, in Mr. Putin's mind. But Russia has a military doctrine which is supposed to guide the deployment of its nuclear forces. Today, Russia is estimated to have 1,588 deployed nuclear warheads and 2,889 in reserve. On March 26, Dmitry Medvedev, deputy chairman of Russia's National Security Council, second only to Putin, referred to the military doctrine when he laid out situations which might prompt Russia to use those weapons. They include an act of aggression against Russia and its allies, which jeopardized the existence of the country itself even without the use of nuclear weapons. Mr. Medvedev said in an interview, the doctrine was mostly drawn up with the oversight of Mr. Putin when he was head of the National Security Council in 1999 and then prime minister. It does allow the first use of nuclear weapons in certain circumstances. To understand its full significance, though, it is necessary to go further back to the Soviet Union's nuclear posture. Regardless, they say Russia could nevertheless use nuclear weapons against NATO and keep to the letter of its military doctrine. NATO, after all, has nuclear weapons. Russia says that Western sanctions in support of Ukraine constitutes a declaration of war. So on this reading, NATO is the aggressor. And Mr. Putin has repeatedly asserted that America, America and the West are seeking to destroy Russia, implying the existence of the state is under threat. Some argue that Russia might even use a nuclear device against Ukraine because though Ukraine has no nuclear weapons, Russia has accused it of building a plutonium fueled dirty bomb. Is Russia being threatened? There have been some who said it was total war when the West sanctioned Russia and tried to cripple its economy. Russia views that as an act of aggression against itself. In which case, yeah, maybe. Yahoo says nuclear fears in U.S. amid Russia-Ukraine war, AP Nork poll. Nine in 10 Americans are at least somewhat concerned that Putin might use a nuclear weapon against Ukraine, including about six in 10 who are very concerned. Yo, I don't know what you should do, man. I will tell you. I have certainly prepared for a rainy day. I just want you guys to understand something, right? I, I, it is, you know, when, when, when you're well off, when you're successful, it's easy to prepare. For many working class people and many of you, it probably isn't. So I don't have all the answers. It is relatively easy for me to say, you know, hey guys, what should we do in the event of an emergency? And then we buy supplies. For the average person to go out of their day and to say, I've budgeted for my rent, my electricity, my food, and my fuel when prices are through the roof, how will I take money out of the budgeting for supplies? I don't know, man. I really don't. I don't know what's going to happen, though. I do know that six in 10 are very concerned, at least according to this poll. He is out of control. And I don't think he really has concern for much of anything but what he wants. I suppose the challenge is, how do we know they're not lying to us about all of this? I really don't know, man. I do not have all the answers. Kim.com tweets. 
GOP has six point lead to win the House in the midterms. With the bad economy, GOP may win. You'll get House investigations into Hunter Biden's business dealings, how much the big guy was paid, biolabs in Ukraine and Hillary funding the steel dossier and Russiagate. Unless nukes. And there's a mushroom, a little mushroom. Yeah, he's not wrong. Seriously, this is not a question of whether Vladimir Putin will nuke. It's not a question of do Democrats want nukes? It's an issue of, yeah, right now, Republicans are leading Democrats 2.2 in the general polling. That, that suggests a ridiculous swing for Republicans. Because even when Democrats have a five-point lead, they lose seats. Real clear politics has the advantage much higher than that at 3.4 points. 3.4. That's scary. It's scary because Democrats are certainly threatened by this. And it's scary as to what, what might happen with a massive regime change in the United States. I will say, you know, I should frame it as it's fortuitous for a lot of people because Donald Trump is going to be better than Joe Biden. But the difference is Donald Trump will be entering with a war in progress unless the war ends beforehand. Now, I don't think, you know, Democrats will make nuclear war happen. But Kim.com is correct when he says, look, all of these things are going to happen unless nukes hit. That will change everything in ways we can't possibly imagine. Donald Trump accuses Joe Biden of risking nuclear war with Russia. U.S. president's apparent call for regime change in Moscow alarms allies and triggers panic in Washington from a couple days ago. The former president stepped in as, it, uh, as administration officials tried to undo the damage from what is seen as Mr. Biden's biggest gaffe since coming to office, saying, for God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Yo. I can't believe it, man. I really, how Joe Biden is uh, president and, and what he's leading us towards really does worry me. How do the Democrats win in November? I don't see it. I don't see this country winning. Take a look at this story from the New York Times. This one's fascinating. This is what it's like to witness a nuclear explosion. They mentioned in the early days of the war against Ukraine, Vladimir Putin told the world, he had ordered his nation's nuclear forces to a higher state of readiness. This is an article from Rod Bunsen, who says, In 1958, as a young scientist for the U.S. Navy, I witnessed the detonation of an 8.9 megaton thermonuclear weapon as it sat on a barge in Anawetok Atoll in the Marshall Islands. I watched from across the lagoon at the beach on Perry Island, where my group prepared instrumentation to measure the atmospheric radiation. 63 years later, what I saw remains etched in my mind, which is why I'm so alarmed that the use of nuclear weapons can be discussed so cavalierly in 2022. Although the potential horror of nuclear weapons remains frozen in the films of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the public today has little understanding of the stakes of the Cold War and what might be expected now if war in Ukraine intentionally or accidentally spins out of control. The test I witnessed, codenamed Oak, was part of a larger series called Hardtack One which included 35 nuclear detonations over several months in 1958. With world concern about atmospheric testing mounting, the military was eager to test as many different types of weapons <clears throat> as it could before any atmospheric moratorium was announced. The hydrogen bomb used in the Oak test was detonated at 7.30 a.m. <clears throat> Excuse me. A second bomb was set off at noon on the nearby Bikini Atoll. Take a look at this. 
This is a photo of the of the mushroom cloud of the explosion. In a nuclear detonation, the thermal and shock effects are the most immediate and are unimaginable. The fission fusion process that occurs in a thermonuclear explosion happens in a millionth of a second. As I watched from 20 miles away, all the materials in the bomb, barge and surrounding lagoon water and air had been vaporized and raised to a temperature of tens of millions of degrees. As the x-rays and neutrons from the bomb raced outwards, they left the heavier material particles behind, creating a radiation front that was absorbed by the surrounding air. The radiation absorption, re-radiation and expansion process continued cooling the bomb mass within milliseconds. The outer high pressure shock region cooled and lost its opacity as it raced towards me and a hotter inner fireball again appeared. This point in the process is called breakaway, occurring about three seconds after detonation when the fireball radius was already nearly 5,500 feet. Take a look at that photo. Incredible. Terrifying. By now, the fireball had begun to rise engulfing more and more atmosphere and sweeping up coral and more lagoon water into an enormous column. The ball of fire eventually reached a radius of 1.65 miles. Time seemed to have stopped. I had lost count of the seconds. The heat was becoming unbearable. Bare spots at my ankles were starting to hurt. The aluminum foil hood I had fashioned for protection was beginning to fail. I thought that the, the hair on the back of my head might catch fire. The brightness of the detonation created defies description. I worried that my high-density goggles would fail. Keeping my eyes closed, I turned until I could see the edge of the fireball. I again turned away from the fireball. I opened my eyes inside the goggles and saw outlines of the trees and objects nearby. The visible light penetrating my goggles increased, and the heat on my back grew more intense. I squirmed to distribute the heat from my side to my back. About 30 or 40 seconds after detonation, I took off the goggles and watched the angry violet red and brown cloud from the fireball. As the rising cloud started to form the mu a mushroom cap, I waited for the shock wave to arrive. In the distance, I could see a long vertical shadow approaching. I instinctively opened my mouth and moved my jaw side to side to equalize pressure difference across my eardrums, closed my eyes and put my hands over my ears. Pow. It hit me like a full body slap, knocking me back. I opened my eyes to see another shadow approaching from a slightly different direction. Over the next few seconds, I felt several smaller blows created by reflections of the pressure wave off distant islands. The fireball kept expanding and climbing at over 200 miles per hour, reaching an altitude of about two miles. The boiling mass 20 miles away turned into a mixture of white and gray vapor and continued its climb until it reached somewhere about 100,000 feet. Meanwhile, the lagoon water had receded like a curtain being pulled back, and the sea bottom slowly appeared. Shark netting that usually protected swimmers lay at the bottom. Finally, the water stopped receding and appeared to form a wall. Like pictures of Moses parting the sea, the wall seemed to remain motionless before finally roaring back. The water receded for a second time, then repeatedly in smaller and smaller waves, and finally as minuscule oscillations across the lagoon surface that lasted all day. Take a look at these images. Absolutely insane. Mankind conducted more than 500 nuclear tests in the atmosphere before moving operations underground, where we tested 1,500 more. Tests to verify the design of weapons. Tests to measure the impact of radiation on people. Tests to make political statements. During my early Navy career, I focused on scenarios involving nuclear exchanges that could have killed tens of millions of people. What was known during the Cold War as mutually assured destruction. 
But the end of the Cold War didn't bring an end to these fearsome weapons. Just a few months ago in January, Russia, China, France, Britain, and the U.S. issued a joint statement affirming that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. If nuclear weapons are used in Ukraine, the biggest worry is that the conflict could spin quickly out of control. In a strategic war with Russia, hundreds of detonations like the one I witnessed could blanket our countries. Having witnessed one thermonuclear explosion, I hope that no humans ever have to witness another. I think it's possible. I really do. I'm not saying it's probable. We, we, we tend to believe things can't happen if they haven't happened, but to me, that's just nuts. They can happen. Nuclear war has never been fought, and we pray that it won't be fought. But just because it hasn't been fought doesn't mean there's not a first time for everything. Is Vladimir Putin really in these bunkers? It's an investigative reporter. A single reporter says yes. Could Western media be lying to us again? They tend to, often. Not always, but a lot of the time, these big stories tend to be lies. We don't know what's happening with the fog of war. But the uncertainty is what makes me scared. Vladimir Putin also has limited intel, even though he has more than we do. He has his perspective. Perhaps he says, perhaps he's made his plan a long time ago. Certainly many conspiracy theorists believe that war will happen. Preppers are sitting back, smoking their cigars and having a beer saying, I ain't got nothing to worry about either way. And the rest of us who live near these cities can either choose to say it'll never happen or we can say whether it will or won't, it is wise to be prepared. And what does that mean? I'm not suggesting you buy 30 years worth of beans. I'm not suggesting you go fight over the last roll of toilet paper. I am telling you that they're predicting food shortages over the fertilizer shortages and gas prices are skyrocketing. I am suggesting that you should have emergency food, emergency water, batteries, maybe a couple solar panels. Maybe not every one of you can even get those things. I am suggesting you need to stay away from cities. But those things are not relevant entirely as it pertains to nuclear war. Getting out of a, outside of a city is just better for you. Having emergency supplies are important because sometimes there's storms, sometimes it rains. Download survival guides to your phone right now. In fact, we should make one. Not because I think the apocalypse will happen and you'll need to use your phone. In fact, if the apocalypse happened, your phone would die and you'd probably not be able to charge it. No, I think the real issue is, I mean, it will help you in the apocalypse. But what happens if you get lost in the woods? These things happen to people sometimes. Survival guys are just good things to have. I'd also recommend getting a solar-powered battery charger because while they're not the fastest of chargers, you might get lost in the woods and need to charge your phone. Make one single phone call. It may take a couple hours to get a few percentage points on your phone, but then you'll be able to make that phone call or tell people like, here's my GPS. Survival and preparation isn't about the apocalypse. It's just about sometimes bad things happen. I certainly hope we do not see nuclear war. I do not believe we will see nuclear war. I believe there is a possibility nuclear war happens, and I certainly would like to be prepared if it does. It seems like, according to these stories, Vladimir Putin may be preparing for something. Is NATO going to move in? Biden said it. White House walked it back. Believe whatever you want, man. Just be responsible. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. Tucker Carlson has called for Joe Biden to be removed by invoking the 25th Amendment. And my stars and garters, Tucker Carlson, is correct. 
In the past week or so, Joe Biden has 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 uh, essentially said U.S. troops would enter Ukraine. The U.S. would respond with chemical weapons or worse to Russian attacks with chemical weapons and that Vladimir Putin, for God's sakes, cannot remain in charge, effectively calling for regime change. When questioned about this, Joe Biden said that never happened. It's amazing. Uh, Ducey of Fox News said these things need clarification. What he asked was every time Joe Biden says something, the the White House comes out and says, uh, no, he didn't mean it. And Tucker Carlson makes an interesting point. He says that Joe Biden doesn't know what his press team is saying. He comes out and says a whole bunch of crazy crackpot nonsense and then goes to bed. And the White House comes out and says, ignore everything he just said. This is a scary time to be to uh, to to have a president this week, my friends. Uh, uh, look, there's reports coming out right now that uh, Russia is going to be pulling back its uh, its siege in Ukraine. This is good news. And I'm glad to see there's some de-escalation happening, some uh, potential negotiations. Hopefully things go well and the war stops. But take a look at one of the most dangerous things. I mean, there are a couple of very dangerous things that, that Joe Biden has said. And uh, if, if we get out of this one unscathed, I think we're lucky. From U.S. News, Putin's use of chemical weapons would trigger a response in kind, Biden says. Western powers are increasingly concerned Vladimir Putin will use chemical weapons, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. When Biden was asked about this, he said, no, it didn't happen. No. Ducey said, what does it mean? What are you going to do? And he's, I'm not telling you. He says, the people want to know. The, uh, Ducey says, here we go. Tucker Carlson, I agree. Joe Biden needs to be taken, uh, needs to be, uh, taken out of office with the 25th Amendment. The, uh, but it's not going to happen. Because for, the, for the, the Democratic establishment, they just don't care. As long as they can hold on to a single thread of power, they will watch this country burn. From the Daily Mail, Biden, 79, uses cheat sheets to answer press questions on his unscripted call for Putin to be ousted in Russia. Rand Paul claims need for cue cards shows somebody who's in cognitive decline. I agree. Look, this is what's important. And then we'll read through this. Joe Biden, his White House came out and said, no, no, he's not calling for regime change. Joe Biden then says, I am not calling for regime change. Nobody would believe that. Nobody would believe that. And then Biden says he's not walking back his comments about how Putin cannot remain, remain in power. It's actually kind of scary that in the same sentence, he contradicts himself. And it's because he's not there. He's not there. Man, the Daily Mail says Joe Biden was mocked online on Monday for using a printed cheat sheet of answers to expected questions when he faced the media to discuss the Ukraine war. Biden was in Poland on Saturday and declared in Warsaw that Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power before flying back to Washington, D.C. Asked on Monday about his remarks, which many saw as advocating for regime change, many saw, the 79-year-old president referred to a typed cue card for hints. He said he made no apologies for his remarks, made the cuff, made off the cuff and not part of his prepared speech. It's more an aspiration than anything. He shouldn't be in power. There's no, I mean, people like this shouldn't be ruling countries, but they do. The fact is they do, but it doesn't mean I can't express my outrage about it. I was talking to the Russian people. The last part of my speech was talking to the Russian people, telling them what we thought. The note reads, take a look, we got a photo. If you weren't advocating for regime change, what did you mean? Can you clarify? I was expressing the moral outrage I felt towards the action of this man. I was not articulating a change in policy. It's really fascinating, huh? Biden has also had also anticipated a question 
about the reaction from French, French President Emmanuel Macron. Macron said on Sunday that he would not have used Biden's words, adding that he saw his task as achieving first a ceasefire and then the total withdrawal of Russian troops by diplomatic means. What we can see here is that when Biden is allowed to speak publicly and candidly, he begins to figuratively burn the whole thing to the ground. Look, Lindsey Graham came out and called for the assassination of Putin. That's psychotic. And and they're not going to impeach the guy. Yeah, I know, you know, impeachment has become like a buzzword for the left. Impeach Clarence Thomas, impeach Trump. But come on, Republicans can get on board with this right now. They won't do it because right now they got to tie in the Senate. And Kamala Harris is their tiebreaker with Manchin. Things can can swing in favor of Republicans. Tough call. No, no, serious question. Serious question. Me personally, I think uh, Lindsey Graham should not be in office. I think he's been duplicitous. I, uh, as, as many of these establishment uh, uh, uniparty members have been. And I think his calls for the assassination of Putin twice warrant his removal from office. We're trying to stop war and de-escalate it. He's certainly trying to make it worse. Is it worth getting rid of Lindsey Graham if it means it'll be a 50 Democrat, 49 Republican? You'll always have, uh, I, I suppose what would happen is the governor would appoint someone, so you'd probably get a Republican replacement, but it's just going to be an establishment shill. So what do you do? My friends, if you live, uh, if, if, if you have the opportunity to primary Lindsey Graham, take it. Take the opportunity. You take a look at Joe Biden's cards, and, and I bring up Lindsey Graham because what Joe Biden said is also very, very dangerous. You look at this. If you weren't advocating for regime change, what did you mean? Macron said he would not have used those words. Mm-hmm. No, NATO is not has never been more united. So saith the cue cards. I wonder what else the other cue cards said. All right. Joe Biden coming out and saying Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power is ending diplomatic opportunity for ending this war. Look, things seem to be deescalating and I'm just crossing my fingers that it, it, it deescalates. We're looking at food shortages in fall if we don't get production back up. Right. I've shouted out safeandreadymeals.com several times uh, because Russia's, I think, fertilizer costs are up like 350%. If this all stops now, there is an opportunity. It won't be that bad. But the fear is planting season is coming. I'm not a farmer, so farmers comment, correct me if I'm, you know, what I'm getting wrong. But the general idea I've been, I've been told is planting season is around the corner and fertilizer costs are way too high. This means the fall harvest is going to be particularly brutal. I think we need someone else, man. I wonder how many people are wishing for, for, for Donald Trump right now. I saw a video of this woman in her car. Maybe you guys saw it. And she's like, I'd like to apologize for voting for Joe Biden because of how bad everything's been. And I'm like, yep, yeah, you know, good on you for sure. I wonder, though, what we would be going through if Donald Trump was president. I kind of think things would be a lot better. I really do. I think things would have improved dramatically. Perhaps international, con I, I, you know what? I think across the board, 80 out of 100, it would have been way better. There'd be no war in Ukraine. I firmly believe that. There would be troops coming home. America's borders would be secure. There would be more jobs. Unemployment would be down. Wages would be up. That's what we were looking at in 2019. The pandemic threw everything for a loop. But boy, did Donald Trump do a great job helping the American people. No, 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 no. Hold on there a minute. I'm not going to give all the blame to Joe Biden and all the credit to Donald Trump, because truth be told, Trump does deserve some blame for some things, uh, increase in drone strikes. I understand why. 
Missile 59 Tomahawks into Syria, escalating tensions for sure. But all in all, it's the big picture. Joe Biden, what has he done that's been good? I honestly have no idea. The one thing I could have given Joe Biden credit for was when he uh, sped up the timeline for the release of the vaccine. He's like, we're going to get this done a month early. And I'm like, okay, all right, you know, that's something. But then that year, 2021, there were more COVID deaths than the year prior. So even with the supposed keys to the castle, here you go. Donald Trump has handed you this vaccine, Joe Biden. There were still more deaths, failed policy, and an inability to get anything done even when he ramped things up. I suppose you can say ramping things up helped. Nah, sorry, I'm not playing that game. Donald Trump in 2020, the start of the pandemic when it was novel and everything was going nuts, did not have access to any kind of, um, you know, initially any kind of treatment for this. And we still saw more COVID deaths in 2021. After we've, we've hammered out all the details of our strategy and our plan. Look, a year on from the pandemic, we had more information, more data. And that means Joe Biden being handed all of this opportunity did not do it correctly. It's also the governors. I'm not just blaming uh, Joe Biden for everything. The fact is the buck stops with him. Now, Donald Trump had a heavy administrative priority on the southern border. He's got, you know, his, his provisions like Title 42. He was uh, ramping up law enforcement at the border. He was withdrawing our troops from the Middle East. Vladimir Putin saw the crushing of ISIS and he said, all right. He saw the, uh, uh, Donald Trump saying, we don't want our troops in Syria. Putin said, all right. Vladimir Putin, Russia, they have a military base in Syria, Tartus. So when Donald Trump said, ISIS is bad and we're going to crush it, then Donald Trump said, we're going to enact the Abraham Accords and try and bring stability to the region. Vladimir Putin was like, well, it's good for me. And it really was. A lot of people will say, see, Donald Trump was helping Putin. If by helping Putin, you mean he was helping Lebanon, Israel, Iran, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Turkey, Ukraine. Yeah, okay, sure. Donald Trump was de-escalating tensions and bringing stability to the region. It's amazing. The Abraham Accords, remember this? Peace agreements, economic agreements, at the very least, between Israel and many Arabic nations. And it was crazy that when he pulled this off, the left comes out and they're like, yeah, well, you know, some of these countries were secretly allied anyway. This is, this is BS. And I'm, I'm like, yo, 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 they're allowing you to fly planes over their territory. That's crazy. You can now go from uh, Saudi Arabia to Israel. Like, this is the Trump administration, man. You know, look, foreign policy matters a whole lot to me, which is why the Ukraine stuff is so heavily is prevalent in the content. I'm, you know, I, stories I, I, I work on, the segments I produce. When I saw the, the results of Donald Trump's foreign policy, I was just like, wow. Seemingly for the first time in my life, there was an opportunity for peace in our time. I know it's funny to say, right? I said that on purpose, obviously, referencing Neville Chamberlain. But uh, far from perfect. Donald Trump ramped up drone strikes. And, uh, you know, Ian on Tim Kessar, I was often critical of this. And, you know, okay, yeah, drone strikes are not good. But the idea was if we're withdrawing our troops and we don't want ISIS or Al-Qaeda or other groups to take over, you use drones instead of humans. There are some bad things about it. If it's a precursor to total withdrawal, I'm a fan. Joe Biden screwed everything up. He screwed up the withdrawal. Everything has just gotten worse. Tucker Carlson says now is the time to invoke the 25th Amendment. He says, Joe Biden announced he was running for president again on April of 2019. It was Biden's third or fourth attempt at office, depending on how you count. 
So at that moment, most Americans thought they knew who Joe Biden was. Two months later, Biden appeared on stage in Miami for the first Democratic primary debate, and he was hard to recognize even for people who had known him. Extensive plastic surgery had made him look like a different person. But most jarring was the fact that he did not sound like the old Joe Biden. You probably remembered Biden as blustery and jovial Irish charm by the bucket load. He was famous for that. And yet on stage, Biden came off as remote and muted. He seemed to be at times afraid to speak for fear of tripping over his own words or forgetting them. Several times the camera caught him just staring out into middle distance. He was apparently absorbed in memory. I think he was probably looking at cue cards or, or a teleprompter. President Joe Biden yelling at reporter, focus on this man Trump and what he's doing that no, that no president has done. No president, blah, 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 blah. So let's get to the point. Tucker Carl said, I'm not going to rehash the entire segment he did. I want to, he, he mentions Peter Ducey and Joe Biden. This is, this is remarkable. This, there's a segment, you really got to watch it. We played it last night. When Peter Ducey asks Joe Biden about all of his statements being walked back, and then Joe Biden's just like, I'm not telling you anything. None of that happened. And wow, I was playing that in the green room here at IRL with a bunch of people were watching and they were listening. And then all of a sudden everyone busts out laughing. And it was a kind of laughter of like, we're screwed and we know it. And this is just funny. Kind of makes me feel like we're on the Titanic and, you know, me and everybody else are just the band playing, you know, our violins and our instruments as the ship is sinking, going down with the ship, I suppose. Peter Deuce said, are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of the big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back? Peter Deuce said, it made it sound like in the last couple of days, you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine, that you said the, it was possible the U.S. would use chemical weapons, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia. Joe Biden said, none of the three occurred. None of the three occurred. None of the three, Mr. President. You interpret the language that way. This is insane. Peter Ducey was flabbergasted in this line of questioning when Joe Biden said, Did, didn't happen. It's, it's like, how do you respond to something so absolutely demented? Did Joe Biden genuinely forget what he himself had said only a few days ago? Yes. And now the, I, 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 I don't think this is an issue of Joe Biden just desperately trying to cover it up. Some people might be like, no, no, no. Joe Biden is just trying to trick people. No, I think Joe Biden forgot. I think he genuinely forgot. He's holding cue cards. He doesn't know how to answer questions. He genuinely didn't know he said these things. I'm sorry. I don't give him the benefit of the doubt. Peter Ducey even giving him the benefit of the doubt, being like, it sounded like you said. No, no, he legit said it. Joe Biden said to the U.S. troops, when you're over there and you see these people standing in front of a damn tank, what's a tank doing? What are they going to be doing to stand in front of a tank? And he's like, no, I was talking about Ukraine soldiers in training in Poland. No, you weren't. You said when you were over there, they're already in Poland. The soldiers are already in Poland. What are you talking about when you're over there? What, 10 feet away at the training camp or whatever? He's talking about Ukraine. When he said if Russia, if Putin's, Putin's use of chemical weapons would trigger a response in kind, in, in kind, that, that he's saying he's going to use chemical weapons. Yo, man, Biden voters need to apologize. I'll tell you that. Under Donald Trump, they lied about everything. Ukraine gate, Russia gate, all that nonsense. I didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016. I ain't got nothing to apologize for. Not to mention that if you did vote for Donald Trump in 2016, actually, I owe you an apology. I should have voted for him back then as well. I got lucky he won because things genuinely, uh, generally and genuinely improved in this country. 2020 was bad and 2021 was bad. 
So if we're going to play games, we can say Biden and Trump both had bad COVID days. But look at how awful everything is now. It's bad. What's getting walked back? To be clear, he's not fit to lead, particularly right now. Bernie Sanders scared the hell out of the banks. Democratic Party short-circuited his campaign and installed Joe Biden. Biden seemed kind of passive for a lot of voters. That was a welcome respite from the last president, who seemed kind of loud. That's, actu- that's what actually happened. No one anticipated at that moment that we would be on the cusp of a war with a nuclear-armed power in less than two years. But that's exactly where we are now. And under those circumstances, to have someone who, was literally, who, has, who has literally no idea what's going on doesn't even know that he's changing long-standing, long-standing policies that adults have thought through when he does it. Does Scary describe that? No, it's worse. And so he goes on to say, all right, joke's over. Too much is at stake. If there was ever a time, if there was in U.S. history ever a time to invoke the 25th Amendment, it is now. As Joe Biden himself put it, for God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power for all of our sakes. I agree, Tucker. Just one problem there, my good friend. Kamala Harris. Okay. Um, I suppose you impeach them both. I don't know. Matt Gates apparently came out and said that he's going to nominate Donald Trump to be Speaker of the House of Representatives. There's some rumors that Trump is open to the idea, and I, I beg the fates. I beg Odin, Zeus, whoever is up there, please make that happen. If not for the sheer absurdity and the, the, uh, um, the humor in that circumstance, just just Donald Trump as Speaker of the House would just be oh so incredible because you don't have to be a member of Congress to be the Speaker. So um, please, whoever is out there in this grand universe watching above, wouldn't you all just be so entertained by Donald Trump as Speaker of the House? And then uh, uh, and then when you impeach Joe Biden and Kamala, Donald Trump would become president again. Would that not be the most hilarious thing? But truth be told, it would be pretty good for this country because we might get things back on track. Now, of course, Donald Trump is probably going to be running for office. I'm pretty sure he is. He just can't announce it yet because of uh, federal election laws. But he's like, a lot of people are going to be very happy. And the joke there is like, yeah, maybe the people who hate you because he's not running. But no, I think it's clear that Donald Trump is going to be running in 2020. Probably in 2023 is when he'll start running for office. He may announce he's running sooner than that. He's already been doing rallies. He loves doing rallies. He loves speaking. And uh, right now, key opportunity. It is so bad. And Joe Biden's approval rating is so low. Now is the opportunity for Donald Trump to come in and say, miss me yet? Which he already has, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I mean, I certainly do. It's crazy how I looked at Hillary Clinton in 2016 and Donald Trump and said they're both trash. You know, Trump for different reasons. I know he had a bit of a populist. He was, he was a populist. He had a Bernie streak. But I'm like, that guy, I'm not going to I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. I'm not going to be the guy who's looking back at, you know, you know I, I couldn't do it. I didn't like what he had to say. Some of it was OK. I didn't think of him as like this evil demon or anything. I'm not so blind as to not, you know, actually look at the facts and the details. But Hillary Clinton was a monster. And Donald Trump, to me, was more of a joke. 2022 came around. And what did we see? Joe Biden. And I was like, no way, man. Talk about corruption. And boy, do we know it. And Donald Trump was doing a good job. And I was like, you know what? I was wrong. I should have voted for him in 2016, but there's no way I could have predicted this. Now we take a look at, uh, uh, we, we, we took a look at 
in August of 2020, Donald Trump's uh, second term agenda. And I was like, it's good. Getting rid of critical race theory and government contracts, effectively upholding the Civil Rights Act. He's talking about school choice, protecting our borders, all the stuff he was currently doing, withdrawing from the Middle East. I was like, let's roll, man. Let's do it. Donald Trump, let's take what we can get. It's funny because there's so many stories I hear about people who are like, when they, when uh, nowadays they're like, you voted for Trump. And they're like, oh. And then a few months later, they're like, I totally get it. I totally get it. Because if you're watching how bad things are getting, if you're looking at gas prices, it's just so remarkable that gas was below $2 under Trump. Now you can blame COVID for that, but, but gas was like 230 under Trump. He, we, we became a net oil exporter. Isn't that crazy? So the people who are like, it's not Joe Biden's fault. It's like, what are you talking about? I don't even care to atomize or quantify. Okay, but I do it all the time because people refuse to believe that it is Biden's fault. Not in every aspect, but certainly there are key points where Biden has screwed us. Banning fracking on public lands and shutting down Keystone has a profound impact on, on the speculative drive of, of oil. What, 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 Nord Stream 2 sanctions. It's remarkable how Joe Biden made us less energy independent almost immediately. And people would be like, it's not his fault. Sure, they're trying to claim, but the, the oil and gas leases aren't being fulfilled by these oil companies. It's like, bro, Joe Biden also halted several oil and gas leases because of climate change costs. There's a lawsuit going on. Blame him or not, whatever. The point is, all that matters. Under Trump, gas cheap. Under Biden, gas expensive. You want to break down the nitty gritty of the economic policies and plans? It's simple. Donald Trump was the drill baby drill president and he, he, he was removing environmental regulations and a lot of people didn't like it. But gas was cheap. Joe Biden's ramping up environmental regulations, shutting down energy production, harming the energy sector. And people are surprised gas prices have gone up. Remarkable. I agree with Tucker. Get Joe Biden out of there. I'll leave it, uh, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. CNN has officially launched CNN Plus, and uh, I know all of you are clamoring just to go sign up for the subscription service. Actually, I know you're not. How do I know you're not going to rush over to CNN Plus to become a subscriber to their new service? Well, Sagar and Jetty tweets, CNN Plus already showing no confidence in their product, throwing away subs at discount rates to fake their initial signup numbers, shows how worthless their product is. Book clubs and parenting advice from personalities you can already get for free on CNN. Garbage. Well, there's also Chris Wallace, who left Fox News to go to CNN Plus and CNN Plus content. They're going to be trying to drive to their subscription service, and they should. I can certainly respect that from a business perspective. But for those that are wondering, what, is, what, do, you, what do you mean they don't, they're, they're showing no confidence? Well, in this tweet from John Nicosia, he is the president of News Cycle Media, former managing, I believe, former managing editor at uh, Mediaite, says, CNN Plus on launch day is already offering a 50% off for life subscription deal. A deal you can stream about. Subscribe today and get 50% off the standard monthly plan for the lifetime of your subscription. Web only offer ends April 26, 2022. Cancel anytime. That's what Sagar and Jetty was talking about as well. Of course, you may know him from uh, Breaking Points with uh, Crystal Ball. 50% off for life. $2.99 monthly, down from $5.99 monthly or their annual $59.99 per year subscription. You know what I think is happening? 
I think CNN launched. It's now midday, and they're like, we are not getting a lot of subscriptions. I know. Let's do a promo. Or at the very least, let's claim it's a promo. But uh, I just want to point out, three bucks a month? I don't know how they can afford that. And I, and, I, and I sincerely mean that. I suppose the more views you get on content, the lower your membership price can be. Now, I have to, I have to just say I am sorry to everyone who watches. Because if you go over to TimCast.com and you'd like to become a member to support our work and get access to only a handful of members-only shows, well, it's 10 bucks a month. And a lot of people have said, you know, can you make it cheaper or stuff like that? The issue is we don't get millions of views on our content on TimCast.com. We get tens of thousands, sometimes close to 100,000 or, or, you know, but rarely. And that means that per, per video, CNN makes substantially more money. If CNN puts out 10 videos and they get a million hits each, they're, uh, they, they, the production cost of each of, the, of each of these segments is static, right? It's going to be X amount of dollars to produce a segment if they're getting mass amounts of viewership from subscribers or the mass. Let's put it this way. Simplify. You have a lot of subscribers. You can afford to have really low rates. But I know that all of you care about uh, um, the truth and honesty and that CNN is garbage. So you're probably laughing at the fact they've already cut their prices in half, which probably is an indicator that things aren't going too well for them. Their ratings have been in the gutter. Um, and if you want to support our work, you can go to TimCast.com and become a member because we're a much smaller team. We're growing. We're producing lots of cultural content. We're planning on doing more shows. We have on-the-ground reporters. And, uh, you know, I saw that CNN Plus was launching, and I thought people would like to know about why this is really, really good news for all of us. For one, cat's out of the bag, CNN. Why would someone subscribe to CNN Plus? I mean, serious question. Now, I, I understand why people would subscribe to TimCast.com. There's two big reasons. One, you genuinely want to support our journalists. Our journalists' uh, salaries are paid for because people are members, but the news is all free, meaning you don't have to be a member. It's kind of shopping cart theory or the shopping cart problem. That uh, It's a little bit worse, actually. It's a little harder. Shopping cart problem is it, uh, the, the, the honor of a person, or however they phrase it, but the general idea is this. When you go to a, when you go to a, a, a supermarket, and there's the, the, the shopping cart corral. You know returning the shopping cart is the right thing to do, but there is no reward for doing it. But it also isn't that big of a convenience to spend 10 seconds walking it to the corral. The idea is that someone who is willing to do the extra bit to put the shopping cart away, that is indicative of a functioning, successful society. But when we go to supermarkets, we see everything's all strewn about. So it's similar. If you like the work we do, and you can afford the 10 bucks a month, you become a member because you're like, I want to see more of this, I want to support this, but you don't have to. Now, in this instance, it's very different to spend 10 bucks versus walking 10 feet, but that's kind of the issue. It's, you know, there are a lot of people who are making sure that our site functions and can grow and we can do more work like this because that's what they want to see. I'll put it this way. If you want CNN to gain influence, support them. If you want Timcast to gain influence, support us. You'll also get access to exclusive members-only segments. But this is really good news. As I mentioned already, aside from the fact that it's showing the emperor has no clothes, Siren Jetty's roasting them for offering this major discount, as is, this is funny, uh, John Nicosia putting the, the you know, monocle, hmm, face, $2.99, they're already offering a four-life half-off? Sounds like things aren't going too well for CNN+. Plus. 
The story from Deadline just yesterday, CNN readies for its debut. Is the next news innovation or too late from the streaming wars? My friends, I just want to rub in CNN is failing. This will not save them. I believe that in maybe 10 or 15 years, maybe sooner, CNN at this rate, unless they make changes, will likely be a skeleton crew, 10 people. Uh, you'll hear about it here, you know, here or there. Maybe they'll put out press releases, but you'll be like, whatever happened to CNN? You know, AOL used to, America Online was so big, you know, when, when I was a kid. Now what are they? Do people still use AOL.com? I guess, but who? Case in point, my friends, I give you Adweek's Sunday, March 27th scoreboard. Fox News continues to win in total day and primetime. Now, when we look at uh, key demo viewership for CNN, Sunday, key demo from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m., you can see that the best they can muster up is 5 p.m.'s newsroom with 179,000 key demo viewers. But you want to really laugh? Sorry to drag you into this MSNBC, but we must. MSNBC's key demo viewership is as low as 35,000. Yo, they are underneath OAN and Newsmax numbers. Bravo. Now, truth be told, over at uh, Fox News, they're getting, you know, 200,000. I think their their peak is 265,000 at 8 p.m. with Mark Levin. So this is this is fascinating. Now, of course, when you go to total daytime viewer, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, total primetime viewership, not just key demo, you can see that MSNBC is getting, well, they can't even crack half a million. Wow. When you look at CNN, they break half a million with their best being newsroom, once again, at eight, uh, 855,000. Over at Fox News Channel, Mark Levin gets 2.1 million total viewers. But my friends, what you need to understand is this is not key demo. That means their total viewership is overwhelmingly 55 plus. Now, that's bad news for Fox News, too. It is it is good for Fox that they get more, around double, fairly often, of the key demo viewerships of CNN and like five times as many as MSNBC. But take a look at this. Let's say Mark Levin, 265,000 key demo viewers out of the 2.1 million. That means 1.8, 1.9 million people are over 55 years old. I got some bad news for y'all. That's a large portion of the of the audience and economy. And while it's also similarly bad for CNN, CNN has a larger proportion of their audience being key demo. You best not think you're invincible, my friends, because I tell you this: when these boomers go, there's there there as much as I can complain a lot about the boomers. There's a lot of boomers that did real good. Star Trek: The Next Generation, bravo! Y'all nailed that one. Well, there are many people from the boomer generation who are holding back the tide. When they go, they pass on, cycle out, retire, etc. Many of them already retired. Yo, they're going to leave us holding the bag and we've got a lot to contend with. You think it's as simple as mocking CNN's ratings? Take a look at this from Social Blade. There's good news with CNN Plus. For me, for, for those of us using YouTube, a lot of really good news. But let me show you this first. Since the start of the war in Ukraine, CNN's viewership has tripled. The week before the war, 26 million views. The week, the next week, 74 million. The next week, 88 million. Now, 
it's declined quite a bit and will likely go down. Of course, when the war started, everybody wanted to know CNN still has that brand power. They really do. And they're probably making a lot of money off of YouTube. 350 million views. That's crazy. CNN's estimated monthly earnings for, uh, for I'm sorry, Social Blades estimated monthly earnings for CNN, 1.4 million per month. That's crazy. I'd also like to point something out, though. The Daily Wire said that they're making, what, what did he say they're making? 120 million a year. I think Jeremy Boring said that on TV. I hope he said it live, and I'm not revealing it. But I'm like, you're making $10 million per month for the Daily Wire. That's what the Daily Wire, Daily Wire is pulling in. This is just YouTube for CNN. They make money in other places. CNN is still massive. But this move to CNN Plus is seriously good news. CNN knows you can't just rely on a third-party platform like YouTube to make money. They also know ad rates are going to be harder to come, uh, ads are going to be harder to come by because of the mass market saturation. CNN, of course, is then going to try to muster up paying monthly subscribers with CNN Plus. When they're charging $3, it shows nobody wants to watch your garbage. I'll put it this way. I know TimCast.com is 10 bucks a month and some people can't afford it. And for that, I apologize. The cost of production, the cost of expansion, we're, we're trying as hard as we can. But also consider this. For every one person who signs up for TimCast.com, you represent three people supporting CNN. Now, CNN still has more pull on YouTube. They still have, uh, well, you know, we were close. There was a period where in 2020, we were getting across with my shows 100 million plus. I think we peaked like 120 million downloads. Granted, I was working weekends. And I was doing double the morning, double the work on the morning show. I was doing three additional segments and I've chilled out because my brain was about to explode and I'm just one person. But for every one person to sign up, you are countering three people to sign up. And that's the important thing here. You take issue with what CNN does. I know I do. You think they're trash. Oh, I think so. If you agree, every three people they sign up, we need but one to have the same impact. Now, we don't have the same reach as they do, but we also have another advantage. What drives someone to sign up for CNN? Meh, passively interested in the news. Is it a core product or a belief? No, CNN is generic garbage. But for TimCast.com, I know that the people, for the most part, not every single person who signs up for TimCast.com does it because the product they're hoping to achieve is cultural change. That's amazing. And I take that to heart. And that is my mission. So when someone says, I'm going to be a member at TimCast.com, there's a decent amount of people who are like, I want to watch that Steve Bannon interview that Tim did. I want to see what they talk about behind the scenes. And that's all they care about. We get a lot of emails from people saying, you know, we get complaints. We get people saying, you know, it's not worth it. Totally get it. You know, know, under no obligation. But we get a lot of people saying, I will sign up and give more than 10 bucks. We have a lot of people who give 20. We have some people who even give hundreds of dollars by choice. Because the real thing people are trying to buy is countering the establishment narrative from CNN. And the reason I think ultimately this is good news, there are a lot of people who are unwilling to pay for CNN's garbage. They're they're, they're only going to CNN because they're like, where else do I go for news? Because CNN has that brand power. Whether you like them or not, they do. So when war breaks out, people go on YouTube and two things happen. One, people search Ukraine war CNN. The other thing is that YouTube puts CNN on the front page to help them. 
I am extremely excited for CNN to retreat to their CNN Plus platform. Granted, they're trying to do like members only special content like Jake Tapper's book club, which is the stupidest thing ever. And Fox Nation, of course, has something similar. But I do believe both Fox, Fox News and CNN are going to be focusing on putting their content on their own platform they control, which means as these authoritative news sources begin bailing out off of YouTube, regular people who just Google search looking for news have nowhere else to go but here. And to shows like, you know, uh, Jimmy Dore or Kal Kalinske or Steven Crowder or David Pakman, whether left or right, you don't have to like any of those people. The point is, we're going to start absorbing the views from CNN as they try and drive their audience off the platform. Now, it's not a 100% thing. I do think, ultimately, this should be a message to YouTube. You're going to lose CNN. Every single major streaming network, what did they do? The Office used to be on Netflix. Netflix had Marvel shows. Why don't they anymore? Because Disney Plus launched. Disney said, why are we putting our shows on someone else's platform? We've got a whole library of content. Let's put it on our own. And they pull their shows down from Netflix. Netflix suffers for it. I think it's fascinating, actually, that I've been I've been watching Legends of Tomorrow on Netflix. Why not on, you know, HBO Max, where they have all the DC content? Maybe because Warner Brothers doesn't have the CW content regardless. The point is, CNN is going to say, when we run an ad on CNN, we get 100% of the revenue. When we run an ad on YouTube, we get what? 65, 70? CNN may have a special deal with YouTube where they get 80 or 90. I don't know. The point is, you keep more money when the ads are your own website. CNN has every reason to pull off of YouTube, as does Fox and every other, every other major network. We don't have that same incentive. Here's, here's what I think happens next. The censorship starts to evaporate. Not for everybody. I certainly think YouTube wants to crush the little guy and pull up the ladder behind everybody else. It's almost like I and many others are running as the floor falls out behind us and smaller creators get engulfed and are unable to cross because there's no, there's no ground anymore. But for me, as long as I keep running and growing... I will outpace the collapse. I think YouTube wants to pull the, ro- pull the rope up, pull the ladder up. However, they also want to maintain an audience. If we are moving towards multiple streaming services as the future, how long until we get a service called like Bonder and it'll be like pay a simple fee of, you know, $79.99 a month and you get access to all of the streaming services? Maybe something like that, like that already exists. It's what cable used to be. It's kind of weird that we're there. Cable was, you know, we pay one fee and then all of the channels get a cut for being on, the, on that network. Now, everyone's just paying 10 bucks for this, 10 bucks for that. Prices go up, prices go down. CNN lowering their prices says to me that they're particularly worried. They're not going to be able to get enough people. That, you, man, I'll put it this way. CNN just launched. They, it's possible they had such a massive influx of subscribers, they said, we can afford to drop the price. I doubt it. If you were charging six bucks a month for your service and you, had a, and you were slammed with subscribers, you'd be like, we should have charged more. No joke. We should have charged more than six bucks. People clearly want it. But if people don't want it and your numbers are bad, you got to cut the price. 
CNN's going to do everything in their power to pull people off YouTube. YouTube will have no choice but to come to creators like me or Crowder or everyone I mentioned and be like, what can we do to make it safe for you because we don't want to lose to CNN? I don't want to work for CNN. I like the fact that I get to do my thing. But I'll also shout out Rumble. I tell all new creators, don't bother with YouTube. Start on Rumble. Why? Dan Bongino has more subscribers on Rumble than he did on YouTube before YouTube banned him. And if YouTube wants to ban individual and independent creators for their opinions and you can go to Rumble, then do it. YouTube is only digging its own grave because the only things keeping them afloat, these big channel shows, they're going to pull off the platform. Granted, YouTube may end up being Netflix like they've always wanted. And they'll have 10 shows. It'll be Mr. Beast, PewDiePie, and I don't know who, 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 who else is there. The uh, Nelk Boys. Like, what are some other big channels? I don't know, Minecraft stuff. They'll have that. They'll have a small handful of creators, and their revenue will be in the gutter. The end of YouTube. Because they've so desperately pandered to CNN. I love it. CNN comes out and says, these far right, the mainstream media who hated YouTube, beat them over the head, and YouTube caved. And now they're all going to jump ship. And they're not going to produce content on your platform, YouTube. So who... Are you loyal to YouTube? Who are you going to be loyal to? Those of us who consistently produce on your platform, even in spite of the abuse and the disrespect you give us, or CNN, who will jump ship at a moment's notice while pissing all over your face. You better believe that CNN will leverage everything in its power to say that YouTube is evil, wrong, and far right. Why? They want to drive viewers to their platform. They want YouTube shut down. CNN certainly has has reach. CNN will come out and say, we're leaving YouTube because it's a haven for the far right. And YouTube won't address the hate speech. I'm not saying they literally will. I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if CNN came out and said, you know, we, we don't think that we should be putting our, our, our content on a platform that endorses white nationalism and racism. YouTube, of course, has two choices. They can be morons. And say, you're right, we're so sorry, please. Or they can say, our creators aren't any of those things. Screw you and goodbye. We will see. YouTube has no incentive to prop up CNN when CNN is already going to smear them. But the truth is, YouTube never had that incentive. And CNN was always going to smear them. And YouTube is just too dumb. Unless it's all political, I suppose. Now, there is... One potential I want to point out. Some are saying that what CNN is doing is testing various prices in various markets to see how many subscribers they'll get at $3, at $6, and at $10. I don't know if that's exactly true because the discount isn't related to uh, A-B testing. Unless it is. Unless their idea is we've got people we're offering for 3 bucks, people for 6 people for 10 and then some people, it says 6 but with a discount to see. And then what you do is you say, you know, 100,000 signed up at $3, 75 at $5, and 50 at $10. Well, stands to reason one of those is worth more than the other. If you have 100K people at 3 bucks, but 50K at 10 bucks, you're best off taking the 50K at 10 bucks. That may be what CNN is doing. So don't get, don't get your hopes up. We don't know exactly, you know, why CNN is doing what they're doing. But I will say, I believe this is a, a huge punch in the gut to YouTube, and they better start paying attention. I, we, we don't, we, we have, we're making a Timcast app, right? But we use YouTube infrastructure for a reason. Now, truth be told, I very well could just move everything over to my website, independently publish all of these videos, and not worry about YouTube at all. We could switch to Rumble. But for the time being, 
YouTube is offering us something at value, and that is free marketing. And seriously, we have not, I have done zero marketing on any of my political content. It's organic growth. And a lot of people who are browsing YouTube get recommended my content. It didn't used to be that way. YouTube was censoring me, and they backed off. So there is a good relationship here. However, let me say this, YouTube. If I got 100% of all of the ads that ran on my content, I could take 35% towards marketing, and I would not need you to prop up my content because it's costing me money. You see how that works? So YouTube better get its act together. I want YouTube to be a space for merit and merit meritocracy in this world of corporate media. There needs to be a way for regular people to prove themselves, and this is it. But YouTube's been sacrificing it to fillet CNN and the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, and it's time to stop. I think, I think we're looking at some good news, and I think CNN sucks. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.